0: Welcome to the Pictures of Lily podcast. I'm your host, Lily Moirieri. I have been a music journalist since 1992 and I interview a lot of music related people. This podcast, which is named after the song by The Who, is about my experience behind the story, what my experience is doing the interviews, just to give you a snapshot of what it's like on the other side of the digital recorder. Pictures of Lily. <laughs> Thank you everyone for tuning in to the Pictures of Lily podcast. This is episode 51. You can find us on every platform by going to picturesoflily.com where you can subscribe or follow us and also connect to us on SoundCloud, YouTube, Pandora, and Amazon. Although it's really best to listen to the podcast straight from the source at picturesoflily.com as it is the highest quality audio and avoids copyright restrictions. Please, please tell me now. Please, please. Tell me now. Keeping with the 80s theme of the last episode, this episode is also on a band of my teenage years, Duran Duran. Maybe next year, maybe no go. Here are a few snapshots of my experiences with Duran Duran. Being obsessed with Duran Duran is a requirement for any Gen X woman. I am no exception. I was, and am, a fan of the Fab Five, but unlike my contemporaries, I did not and do not have the fever pitch of obsession about them. However, the first time you ever see Duran Duran is always a jolt to the senses. Like most of the music I discovered in the early to mid 80s, the first time I saw them was on a bootleg Betamax tape through the underground entertainment network in Tehran, Iran, after the Islamic revolution. It was one of their early videos. I believe it was Is There Something I Should Know? And it was a true shock because they were so very good looking. I remember thinking no human ever looked as good as the guys in that band, especially Nick Rhodes and John Taylor. I hit rewind on that tape many, many times and had to check with members of my family to make sure they were seeing what I was seeing because I couldn't believe my eyes. They were so very exotic, like a different species, so very out of reach from where I was. (laughs) Every time there was a new Duran Duran video, it was another jolt to the senses because they looked different in each one and with each one they got a little more exciting and if possible better looking and excruciatingly sexy. I feel they were instrumental in shaping the way I look at guys from the very first time I was exposed to them. Having said all that, I didn't really go past their videos where Duran Duran was concerned. They were eye candy and I really loved the singles but I didn't love the albums as much. If there wasn't something to look at, I wasn't that interested. This is not to say that they aren't amazing musicians and hyper-inventive songwriters way ahead of their time. Quite the opposite, I have a massive respect for their talent and the fact that they are so futuristic in their vision and have such an interest in new sounds and technology. What I loved musically was Nick Rose and Simon Le side project in the mid-80s, Arcadia. I would say this project was R.D. for the lack of a better term and I still love that whole album. We listened to it front to back on a road trip not long ago and I was singing every word with feeling. In the year 2000, I had a daily radio show called The Lick along with my good friend Mick Cole on one of the early internet radio stations, Spike Radio. One of the people that worked there had a connection with John Taylor and suggested that John come as a guest on our show. Mick had spent his teenage years emulating members of Duran Duran and I was certainly not going to say no to interviewing John Taylor, so we agreed, of course. John came along to the station and seeing him in real life was a huge trip. I was super professional, and as I said, I was never obsessed with Duran Duran, so I wasn't falling over myself or anything. But John still had a little bit of an arm's length attitude with me when he came on our show. One look at me, and he could tell I was of the generation of women who spent their teenage years discovering their sexuality through Duran Duran. This may be true, but I still had a casual attitude toward meeting John. It just took him a while to pick up on it. He stayed in the studio with us for quite a while, and during our conversations, I learned that he was such a big fan of music and of new music. He was so up-to-date and constantly looking for new artists and sounds. I also learned that he was a dedicated family man with a blended family with kids ranging in age, but all of them young enough to require maximum parental attention. John and his wife, Gila, who I believe is part Iranian, but don't quote me on that, I know Simon's wife Yasmin is half Iranian, which I find super random that two Duranis would be with Iranian women. Anyway, John and Gila weren't parents who were leaving their kids home with babysitters in the evenings. Both of them work full-time, Gila is the co-founder of the Juicy Couture fashion line, but both of them were committed to their family and did everything together, which I really admired. John stayed in touch with me via email, and I regularly sent him packages of advanced CDs of albums that I thought he might like to his home in Venice Beach, where they were living at the time. He invited me to a gig his band Terrorvision were doing at the Key Club, which used to be Ghazari's, and I couldn't really reconcile the fact that I was at one of my old heavy metal haunts, the one I liked the least, watching John Taylor perform. John and I didn't stay in touch long term, but he did leave me with a positive impression, that is, after he got over himself and thinking that I would be falling all over him. My favorite Durani has always been Nick Rhodes and I tried so many times to meet him over the years. We have mutual friends and have been in the same circles a few times, but we were never meeting. In my head, I had decided that I was just right to become Nick's next long-term girlfriend, but that I was going to make us permanent. This was roughly 20 years ago. I didn't meet Nick in person, but I did an extensive interview with him for Duran Duran's album Paper Gods in 2015. He was on holiday in Italy with bad reception, so we didn't do a video chat, but we did talk on the phone for a long time. Mainly about recording, as the article was for Electronic Musician magazine and focused on the studio side of the album's creation. When I first picked up the phone when he called me, he said, Is that Lily? It's Nick Rhodes here. And I got just so very excited, I had to hold it down and I was kind of relieved he couldn't see how nervous I was. I found Nick gracious and polite and very forthcoming and keen to talk. And I was quickly not nervous anymore. Besides the recording of the album, we talked about other things, including how when I was a teenager, it was all girls as their fans, and guys would never acknowledge Duran Duran. Now there are so many men at their shows, and Duran Duran are repeatedly credited as being incredible musicians and songwriters. This is what Nick had to say about that. Interestingly, the rock media at the time was run by a bunch of guys in jeans and t-shirts and leather jackets who did not want anything new like us coming along for sure. And they didn't like synthesizers and they definitely didn't want people who looked like us. However, a lot of musicians have always been very supportive of the band from the most diverse places. We seem to have fans from completely pop dance music, hip-hop music and a lot of stuff in between and we've always been very touched by that because I think if you can get through to other musicians on that level then that's really a high form of praise. I think we're also at a very cool time for bands and dance music and everyone out there sounding completely different. We came off the reinvention of the 1960s and 1970s. We had the Beatles and the Stones doing their R&B and pop thing. And then you had David Bowie, who reinvented everything, along with a lot of other great artists. It made us feel, our generation, that we could do whatever we liked as long as it was original. As long as it was our own sound. If you look at the artists that were in the charts at the same time as us, our contemporaries from The Smiths, The Cure, In Excess, U2, Prince, Madonna, Depeche Mode, everyone sounded entirely different. We all had our own identity and our own mandate about what it was we were about. I spoke to Nick again this year for their new album, Future Past for a Variety, and brought up that same point about the shift in Duran Duran's audience, and this is what Nick told me. We started out as this art school cult band playing songs like The Chauffeur and *Nightboat* Boat in nightclubs. Suddenly, we're in front of 15,000 screaming girls. It was a culture shock. It was such a complete paradigm shift. I was confused by it. It was a little difficult for me. I watched footage of the Beatles and the Rolling Stones and the Doors, who were all pretty decent songwriters, and they did okay, and their records still sound great. That enabled us to somehow quantify it. Not that we were particularly like any of those bands, nor am I comparing us to them. One of the first things that happened was the smart guys started to realize there's an awful lot of very cute girls at Duran Duran shows. If you want to find a date, that's the right place to meet them. Nick and I were able to do a video chat this time, so it was the first time that we made face-to-face contact. He was wearing a fetching pink jacket and a black and pink t-shirt. He wasn't wearing any makeup, but his hair looked great, as it always does, and he looked just like Nick. I have a friend who is from Birmingham, the same city in the UK that Duran Duran are from, and he used to work at the Rum Runner, which is the club that Nick DJ'd in. My friend told me Nick would show up with all his makeup in a plastic grocery store bag, what they call a carrier bag in England, which he said was such at odds with Nick's flamboyant style. Nick and I did talk about fashion and makeup, and I told him that story my friend had told me about the shopping bag, and Nick said that at the time he wouldn't have known anything about a toiletry case. I asked him how he learned to put makeup on without YouTube tutorials, and this is what he told me. Practice. When I was 15, 16 years old and first putting on makeup, I was never going to go to somebody else, even one of my aunties, and ask, How exactly did you put that eyeshadow on? I'd put things on my face and think, I like the way that looks. Everything about Duran Duran has always been handmade. People think we've got these armies behind us who help us to do things. From the very beginning, it was me and John Taylor sitting on the floor with a sketch pad and a few records coming up with ideas. We used to go to women's clothing stores to buy girls' jackets and fabulous scarves because the only things for men were horrible acrylic suits and v-neck jumpers that your granddad would wear. John and I used to come home on the number 50 bus from Barbarella's at midnight, 1 a.m. on a Friday night. It was not a lot of fun for the two of us with our bright red jackets, makeup, and dyed hair. Duran Duran's latest album, Future Past, is produced by the immensely talented Errol Alkan, who is the subject of episode 33 of our podcast. Errol was such an inspired choice for Duran Duran who needed some reformatting, in my opinion. Errol has an instinctual understanding for where a legacy band should be taking their sound. He is able to reference all their past greatness and remind their fans what they loved about the band. At the same time, the way Errol approaches that signature sound is entirely fresh and up-to-date, not nostalgic at all. Yet it pushes all the nostalgia buttons, but doesn't date the artist. Future Past is the Duran Duran album I possibly like the best, considering I didn't like their whole albums previously, unless I had a visual to go with it. Nick was eager to talk about Errol and his contributions to the album, as well as Graham Cox and Blur's guitarist, who is the guitarist on Future Past. Nick said Graham was the most creative guitarist they have had since Warren Cucurillo. And this is what he told me about Errol. I always think with producers you want someone who brings something you haven't got already, and Errol brought an incredible knowledge of modern dance music that perhaps we didn't know as well. Also, he was a big fan of the band, and so he remembered 12-inch mixes that we had done that I'd forgotten we'd even done. He'd say, listen to the middle section of this. And I think that knowledge helped because in some ways he made us more comfortable with reflecting upon our past and reclaiming some sounds of dance music and grooves and slapping bass and that big snare drum sound and stuff that we haven't done for a while. He said, no, that belongs to you, you own that. So we can keep it in the Duran Duran sound. And we thought, okay, actually after four decades I think we're more comfortable now. We've been experimenting plenty. Let's be a little more self-referential this time. I told Nick that he would really love what Errol would do with the next Duran Duran album as the first album with Errol is really a recalibration and the next album with him is the true way forward. Nick chuckled about that. Every day, every night I had to double check with Nick about his age for the article. He's only seven years older than me. I told him when I was a teenager, he seemed like such a jet setting adult and worlds away from me in terms of where he was in his life trajectory, but that now we weren't so removed from each other at all. This is what he told me in response. When I was 14 years old, I had David Bowie on my wall. By the time I was 19 years old, I was hanging out with him. It was very strange for me, but I was incredibly grateful to have such a creative and inspirational friend. Those are a few of my Duran Duran experiences. You can find my recent interview with Nick at variety.com and also linked at picturesoflily.com. My interview from 2015 for Electronic Musician Magazine is also linked at picturesoflily.com, as are other bits of writing I have done about Duran Duran. I was- In the next episode, I will be talking about my experiences with Manson. Not Marilyn Manson, but Manson, the British band from the 90s with the cult following that will live on until the end of time. From myself and my co-producer, director, editor, Lawrence Schroeder, thanks for listening. And if you have a chance to subscribe or follow the podcast on any of the podcast platforms, please do so and please rate and review. You can connect to us on picturesoflily.com and from there you can choose your preferred podcast platform or SoundCloud or YouTube or Pandora or Amazon. You can also find the playlist for the podcast episodes on Spotify and YouTube. There is also a Pictures of Lily newsletter that goes out when each podcast posts that you can subscribe to on picturesoflily.com. Thanks for listening. Pictures of Lily. (laughs)